So I'm talking now with Gary Lonesborough, author of young adult novel, The Boy from the Mish. In this book, 17-year-old Jackson is in the summer before his final year of school, and he's working through who he is and what he wants. When his auntie and cousins come to stay, they bring along Thomas with them. Thomas, who's been in juvie. Thomas, who interests Jackson very much. Ultimately, this is a very funny and moving and romantic book. And I think maybe you think the, the fact that they're both young men and the fact that they're both Aboriginal shouldn't matter, but it absolutely does. And what I love about this book is it's beautiful representation, um, but also I mostly love the romance. <laughs> um, and Gary, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I wanted to ask you um, sort of what first prompted you to write Jackson's story? <laughs> it's a funny question. Uh... So I guess, you know, I, I'd written this short film script way back in my film school days, like 2015. Uh, it was basically, you know, a story about this, it was a, this secret romance between these two Aboriginal boys. Uh, and it was basically the last night in their relationship uh, before one of them moves away. So I wrote that uh, short script and then just shelved it for a few years. Uh, then I read, Simon vs. Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertelli. Uh, and that really, you know, sort of spurred, you know, the, the creative energy and also the desire to seek out, you know, a book that was like Simon vs. Homo Sapiens Agenda, but that had uh, Aboriginal characters. Um, so, you know, trying to, did a little bit of research trying to find another, you know, young adult novel that, that had an Aboriginal protagonist who was also a queer person uh, which proved to be difficult and near impossible to find so uh, it was just like a flick of the switch you know I remember that I had this script I read the script again a couple of times and realized that there was a bigger sort of story there that I could explore and yeah just started writing and uh, without any real plan or expectation that I would finish you know a, a novel um and yeah I punched out that first draft in you know just just over a month I think yeah Gary I'll stop yeah, you I, mean, I heard that you only took a month to write this first draft and I'm incredibly jealous so I hope that that continues for you I mean I know the first draft is always just that a draft and there's a lot of work to be done yeah. after but that's yeah that's really exciting yeah like I'd punch it I could never no one will ever see that draft it'll never see the light of day uh but yeah i just i had you know this you know this, this creative burst that i just needed to get this story out uh basically i was working part-time at the time so i had days off i had you know any time i wasn't working or spending time with friends or you know doing housework i was writing basically um and yeah, that was over, it was in January of, I think, 20, would have been 2018? No, I don't know. I can't even remember. Uh, but it was that January. So I remember it was really hot and I was just sitting in my room, uh, typing away in a singlet with the fan on full blast and just sweating like the whole time. Um, but yeah, I just had the story bursting out of me and obviously it evolved and changed a lot. Uh, throughout the, you know, the revising and editing and became a much better story than it originally was. But yeah, that's how it started. 
you can you can feel that hot summer that Jackson and Thomas are experiencing so obviously really lent itself to to your writing as well um and what I loved um were not just these two main characters it was so beautifully written but the world that you've created um with all the different family members Jackson's mother is fantastic character all his mates and the people in the town um did you come to that slowly or did the world sort of appear quite quickly uh yeah once I once I knew I was expanding off that short film script uh and even from that that script to first draft of the boy for the mission it's completely different you know, story different characters uh but yeah like once I just started writing uh I'm a parent so say just dive right in and, and just start you know letting the words hit the page uh, once you know, once I started moving along in the story, I realized I was I was in this you know small Aboriginal village, and I knew I wanted it to be you know, coastal, wanted it to be you know country, you know rural area, uh, and yeah, like it was the the you know the setting and the the, the scenery and the location is all very much inspired by uh, you know places I grew up around and places I'd been to as a kid and as a teenager. Um, so I really tried to tap into that uh, nostalgic feeling when I was, you know, writing those scenes where they're walking through the bush or or hanging out at the lake or, you know, just walking through the campsites with all the tourists. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to, you know, capture how it felt as a teenager to be experiencing all those places and, and you know, walking barefoot on the sand or, uh, you know, on the grass through town. Uh, yeah, so all the places in the book were very much inspired by you know, places I'd been. I'd, I grew up in Bega on the far south coast, New South Wales. So, uh, yeah, I know the, a lot of people down that way would uh, definitely be able to recognize a few inspirations in the, in the book. But uh, what I love about, you know, taking inspiration from places and, and you know, or setting the the story in a real place is that you can you know, mess with the geography. You can begin, you know, paint it however you want to fit the story. Uh, so really, what I was doing is just taking you know, memories and, and experiences and places I loved and, and reshaping them for the book. Yeah, that well, it sounds like a really smart way to to begin and gives that real sort of sense of place to to the work and. Um, I don't know if your background, you say you have a background in film um, and it, like it was really visual um, writing. Did you use some of the, that like cinematic brain as you're writing? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, doing, you know, screenplay writing for two, three years, uh, it's just more tools for the, you know, the writer's toolkit. Because when you're writing scripts, you have to be very visual. You have to, you know, uh, focus on emotion, but at the same time, you're, you know, telling a story on the screen. So, uh, yeah, you have to write very visually. You have to think very visually. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that definitely helped. You know, my experiences writing scripts uh, definitely helped when uh, when I was writing the book. Um, you know, because I guess it's pretty simple advice, but to use the five senses when when you're you know, describing a place or you know, a location. Uh, yeah, I was just just doing that really um and dialogue too I suppose um when you're writing a film script often you've got the little scene descriptions but relying so heavily on on the spoken word as well yes 
I, I always feel like dialogue is a, is a, a weakness of mine. I, I don't think I'm really good at it. Uh, through the editing, your dialogue becomes better. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's always hard to get dialogue right. I find what helps me is I, I'll speak the words out myself um, that I'd written. Uh, and usually, you know, nine times out of ten, the first time I do that, it doesn't sound right, so I'll change it. Uh, but yeah, like using my own, you know, just sounding out the sentences, uh, sounding out the lines myself. I, that's how I you know, write the dialogue in the end. Um, but yeah, like uh, dialogue is one of my weak points, I think, in the early process of the, of the writing of the drafting. So yeah, I'm very thankful for editing and revision. <laughs> I think uh, you know, those two things have, have helped make my dialogue better. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I think the, the conversations across the board were, were wonderful. And I really particularly love the scenes where Jackson and Thomas speaking together. I thought, yeah, dialogue was beautiful. And like with the book, I wanted to be very, uh, I wanted to be a lot about the things that they weren't saying. Uh, so I wanted there to be all these you know, sentences that were just in, in the air uh, that weren't actually coming out of the mouths. Uh, so I had a lot of fun, you know, teasing out certain moments and situations or being, uh, you know, deliberately ambiguous about certain things. Uh, yeah, I just think it's really fun to write that way and really fun to read as well. Yeah. While reading The Boy from the Mish, the, it's not obviously just about this romance that's between the two main characters. You've got this beautiful story of family um, and Jackson's sort of troubles with his friends and his, his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend and the rich white kids in the campsite. Um, but at the heart of it, I felt like this book was such a joyful romance. Um, and I wondered if that was your main goal with the book as well. Yeah, definitely. The romance was the first, uh, that was the story to begin with, just the love story. Uh, everything else came later. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, going back to how I felt at the end of reading some of her same savings agenda. I just wanted to write a really, you know, really cute, really lovely love story between these two uh, Aboriginal gay teenagers. Uh, you know, that was my main focus, and that was the story when I when I first started writing. Uh, but yeah, you know, through the whole writing process, you realize that uh, you know you have to build your world, and uh, I realized that through Jackson, I could you know explore a lot more things. Uh, you know, like racism and, and the, uh, you know, the racial divide between you know, the Aboriginal community Jackson lives on and the, the, the town that's nearby and the white people in it, uh, you know, the, with the police, the relationship with the police. Um, and yeah, through Thomas, I realized I could, uh, yeah, so Thomas really shapeshifted a lot through the, through the process. He changed a lot, uh, but ultimately I ended on you know, I was becoming very passionate about, you know, the, the incarceration rates of Indigenous youth in, in the country uh, at the time. And I was spending a lot of time through work in the, in the juvenile justice centres with these Aboriginal kids, a lot of whom had been in out-of-home care or, uh, you know, foster care or kinship care, or, uh, come from broken homes, you know, childhood traumas, uh, all those sort of things. Um, so, you know, I was, I was becoming very passionate about... Uh, those things when I was writing it. Uh, and yeah, just Thomas was a way for me to explore those things as well. 
but yeah, it all started with the love story and then the branch branches grew from there. Yeah, yeah, that's really beautiful. And Thomas is such an interesting character and him with his interest in graphic novels and drawing and art and, and Jackson also with his interest in art and story. It was just also so joyful and wonderful to see them sort of explore and like take risks in with their creativity. I wondered if you have had a chance to hear from any readers since the book's come out. I know lockdown's probably made it hard to do visits and things, but um, I imagine there'll be readers who respond very strongly to your story. Yeah, look, I've, I've definitely, uh, you know, I was lucky enough, you know, between COVID lockdowns to be able to do Sydney Writers' Festival and Brisbane Writers' Festival uh, and, you know, meet, you know, during the schools program to the Sydney Writers Festival, you know, you're talking to all, all those kids and a lot of them asking really insightful, intelligent questions that you didn't expect and, uh, you know, very different questions than I'd get from an adult interviewer. Uh, but re feedback from readers, um, you know, I've, I've definitely received a lot of messages and, and you know, emails via my website, uh, just the people reaching out to let me know that they've loved the book. Um, yeah, it is a shame that I haven't had the chance to do a lot of uh, you know, in-person events. I did do a, a queer YA book club uh, meeting at Glee Books in Glee here in Sydney. And, you know, it was basically just me and like, I don't know, six or seven queer teenagers uh, just sitting around talking about the book. Uh, they asked me if I could just write a short novella showing Thomas and Jackson in love. Uh, you know, with no problems, no complications, just showing them being in love. <laughs> Maybe I will. Um, and I've definitely received a lot of you know, messages and emails from older gay men who have come across the book and read it and, and really have been able to connect with something in there, uh, you know, something that they needed when they were a teenager or something they wish they had, uh, something they could relate to you know, in the characters and, you know, love the book. So the the feedback's been you know, in terms of age very very wide range and i'm glad you know older adults um i think the oldest person that reached out to me was in their early 70s yeah i love that it's reaching readers of all ages and not just my target audience uh, uh but yeah also happy that it's reaching the target audience as well of course um and i think the fact that you're hearing from these older readers just goes to show that this is something that's been missing from from our bookshelves and i know that part a huge like a huge part of the joy was sort of me reading this beautiful romance that just it made me feel like a teenager again it was like that really that like awkward beautiful first steps of of a romance and just feeling so pleased to know that um, young gay men will read this and be able to see themselves um, in the story. It just felt like such an amazing celebration. With um, writing Jackson's family, do like did, was there anything that you wanted to to get across there? Was that like an intentional construction of his family, him without his dad, and and um, the scenes where Jackson visits? Um, with, with the men of the community, that was a really interesting part of the story for me. Um, how did you approach those? I don't think I really planned anything. <laughs> uh, I don't know, it's going to sound cliche as hell, but 
uh, it really felt like Jackson when he when I when it felt like Jackson just walked into the room and like I knew who he was. Uh, I knew his family. I knew he had a mom and a little brother. Dad wasn't really in the picture, uh, so you know he's sort of like a you know in a lot of ways like I was you know the eldest sibling uh, you know, acting as like a third parent to the the younger ones. Um, and so I knew he would take on that leadership role with the visiting cousins. Uh, yeah, it just all really came together organically, I think. Um, I think the thing I didn't really realize I was missing was, uh, you know, the story with uh, Jackson's mom and his auntie and the painting that they were working on. Uh, so that didn't come until much later. And I don't know, like I, once it came in, it was perfect and it all just, it all just fit perfectly and yeah, very organically. Um, yeah, really all I was trying to do was, you know, uh, paint an authentic uh, picture of an Aboriginal family. Um, I guess, you know, sad reality is that a lot of, uh, a lot of Aboriginal kids only really get to grow up with you know, one strong parent. Um, and yeah, I thought, I think that just really adds to Jackson's character and his, you know, emotional intelligence, uh, you know, his maturity, that's time and space where he's about to move in that altered, um, absolutely uh, like to trust the process. Like that, that's what writing is, isn't it? That you've come with this idea and then over time through revision and conversations with, um, you know, maybe, um, crit critique partners or your editor, like the, the story. Find, finds its way it's really beautiful yeah I'm so thankful for my editor um she like she, I think it was her suggestion to you know, maybe explore a subplot with the mom and the auntie and you know once I started looking at it it just came just, it was all there um so I'm very thankful for editing and, and the you know the it's, it's a whole you know it's a whole different approach in the whole writing process um I really don't even know what I love more the drafting or the editing but uh, yeah, I just love the you know the changing and you know, making it the, that stage in the process where you're shaping it into a book. Yeah, I just love that. And in terms of um, like finding creativity and inspiration for writing, um, how, how does that sort of generally come to you? I guess we have talked about that a little bit, but I'm really interested to know. I know that my creativity has been kind of affected over the past year or so. Um, and just wondered if your process has changed at all. You know, I've tried to think about this and really analyze how I how I got that creative burst um, you know, when I started drafting the first draft. And it's gonna sound really weird, but I know at the time I was feeling incredibly lonely. Uh, you know, I was feeling very unhappy with, I guess, where, where my life was at at the time. Uh, so I, I think, the, the inspiration and the, the creative burst came from that, that, that dark place I was in at the time. Uh, it was like, a, you know, I guess like a, you know, a balloon that was rising in the air and I just sort of grabbed onto the rope. Um, and that was the book, uh, really got me out of it. But these days I, I find that going for a walk definitely helps with the creativity. Um, yeah, I, I I guess I just find inspiration with everything. You know, I like to think of everything that happens in my you know, daily life, uh, you know, everything negative or positive, it's all potential writing material. 
uh, so yeah, I, I guess that's just how I'm approaching it. Uh, try to take inspiration from everything. Think of everything as writing material. And, and it's also important to make time in your life for other things. So, uh, so, you know, if you're just spending your whole time uh, focusing on a, you know, a project, I guess, uh, I find that doesn't really work for me if I've got other, if I don't have other things happening in my life at the time. Uh, that being said, I would love to just be a full-time writer and not have to work a job, but yeah. Um, and I know that also reading really helps me get ideas. Um, and I wondered if you have been reading anything interesting lately. Yeah, I'm currently reading a short story collection called Dear Ibis um, by my, my close friend, uh, Kate Liston Mills. Um, I think it was published by Spineless Wonders, if I remember correctly. Um, but you know, it's a small book, small, uh, small print run with a small publisher. Um, but yeah, Kate's a friend, so reading that right now, and it is a gem, I must say. It's really beautiful. Um, she's a very, very talented writer. Uh, she writes very poetically, and you know, her words are very. I feel like the way, she, like the word choice that she uses, is very uses is very uh, particular and specific. Where Whereas, you know, if I'm writing, I'm just throwing a bunch of sentences in to, you know, explain something or describe something. Uh, whereas if you read Kate's writing, it really feels like everything's there for a reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I will just mention um, this episode is being supported by Brunswick Bound, which is an independent bookshop in Brunswick in the inner north of Melbourne. They're a small but mighty shop with really excellently curated collection. Um, you can follow the link in the description to buy Gary's book um, and have a little virtual visit in this store. Hi, I'm Ellen and I'm the manager of Brunswick Bound. And I want to talk to you today about our pet forward voucher wall. So these vouchers are donated by people in our community. Um, they're for lots of different values and they can be used for anything in the shop at all. So of course books, um, but also puzzles, games, stationery, anything that we sell. We started this, uh, we decided to bring this program into our shop because we understand that books are a luxury item and that not everybody has access to books, but we think that everybody should have access to books. So if you would like to use a Pay It Forward voucher or buy a Pay It Forward voucher, you can get in touch with us either via email or calling the shop. And there are heaps of them here for you to use. So feel free to anytime you need to.